B C A B C A B C A B C Being the stash, I'm your host Uppy. With me, as always, is the stash. Stash, how you doing? Good evening, everybody. I'm doing well. How are you? Were you holding back a burp right there, or what? Like you paused. You, you look yeah. like you were about to burp. I had a bad time. It was a bit. All right, let's skip to someone who might respond. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was uh... <laughs> so, I'm doing well. Um, we have Brent and Liberty from Mill Creek slash PA with us tonight. Um, how are you doing, buddy? I'm good. The N stands for a non-responsive Google Chrome. I am nice. Still, I'm still a little angry about that. That's you should be. You should be. I like, am. It's, it's, <laughs> shouldn't be I that really, big really am. <laughs> so, uh, what's everyone drinking tonight? See, Not you guys don't get on. this here. You don't get this. I. I'm just just some Canadian swill. Nice, the bad blue. The bad blue. You know, Can't it's hot wrong. here. I mean, you guys wouldn't think it's hot, but for us, it's been hot. And we all like, What's the weather been like? Well, actually, today wasn't too bad. It was like high 70s. But when I bought this last <laughs> weekend, it was like 94. Oh, geez, that's all hot. All yeah. the community, all the humidity, rather. And <laughs> yeah, well, it's been like 103 to 108 lately, so. Well, I'd rather I'd rather what we had than what they had last weekend. If it gets up in the nineties, there, I guess they had every right to bitch about their balls sticking to their legs. Oh, they just <laughs> like both of them. It like the sack would separate and stick to both legs at the same time. <laughs> it hurt getting up. It does everything. Right. Like you'd be outside and you'd walk like across like your parking lot or your driveway or wherever you're at, and you'd just be sweating, no matter wow. what you did. Huh. Does not sound fun, but nah. sounds fun. No, Where I'm going... we have a beach, so we did that. Ass. <laughs> well, very polluted. If that makes you feel any better. Well, it seems like it's always shut down for E. coli, so it doesn't just yeah. like you get to use it. Well, it's been flooded a lot this year. Like the mm. levels are really high. Like if you go on, you know, for those of on the West Coast, we have. Presque Isle, which is, it's like a big state park, but it's all like beaches and stuff. People fish, and there's all sorts of crazy animals out there. I saw a mink one time. I didn't even know we had those here, but I saw it. And they'll be like, nice. the sidewalks washed out in places. It's just real high, which means we're getting a lot of crazy agricultural runoff, which means a coli. So. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, nice. yeah. yeah. Um, Have you seen any like dead bodies pull up on, on, the, on the lake lately? No, but I mean that happens from time to time. People commit suicide yeah, out there. It. People drown. Uh, we had a guy um, a couple of years ago that killed his wife on a fishing boat, threw her overboard with an anchor, but it wasn't good enough because she bought her body bobbed up in Dunkirk, New York, which is halfway between here and Buffalo, and now he's like spending the rest of his life in prison. So that <laughs> happened. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think they don't know you're supposed to put like the cement shoes on, you know, their feet, um, not after. Dude, so did he not learn anything from Scott Peterson? I think they would learn by now. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know damn well that the story I just told is going to be on investigative discovery at some point in time. Nice. You guys get all the no, fun shit. Here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Now that I thought about it, if you're going to really put cement shoes on somebody to have them be weighted down in the bottom of the of a lake, rebar that shit. Go through their foot and their bone, rebar it, because then they can't fold back up. Plain and simple. Rebar it. Or, yeah, or, or yeah. throw her in a we, fishing net with a, a, a five pound weight in it and hope for the best, like this fucking idiot did. Yeah. 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 Someone yeah. goes out and actually listens to the show and does that. Yeah. And then we're. The first um, one implicated. <laughs> <laughs> I can see going on Twitter now. Oh, yeah. Prince Dash already did that one. <laughs> Is that you? I love you, boy. I'll see you later. Okay, oh, sorry about that guy. I had to talk to little little stash there for a second. He wanted to give me a kiss. He said I couldn't. I couldn't lock the door because he said I'd get lost. So, oh. Oh, well, fun. He actually gives me something to edit. So, yeah. um, there so, you go. So, um, so stash, uh, what are you drinking? I, I got Sierra Nevada. Uh, at least you're not at least drinking Heineken anymore. That'll be next week. Oh, you're a '90s douche. Very nice. Yeah, I love <laughs> um, uh The reason why I like them is because they're they're cheap, and um, whenever I want to eat, eat a beer brat, I just you know throw my Heineken in the beer brat, and there you go. Hey, you know Do that makes purpose. sense. Um, Do purpose, you know. You know what I think of when I think of Heinekens? Hmm. <clears throat> when I was um, 21, I had a roommate who. Um, worked for a major consulting firm with a fortune 500 company we have here in Erie. And so he brought out all of his consultant yuppie friends and we all went out and they all drank Heineken's and patted themselves on the back. And I just think of those clowns. Mm. <laughs> well, I do, I, I do have an advanced degree, so I guess that might be one of the prerequisites to drinking Heineken. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I um. So I got. Uh, I'm gonna do a shout out to Steve Castle here because he he has a habit lately of sending me pictures of really nasty beer, <laughs> claiming that they're good. Um. So I uh, got something that's rare out of Dust Bowl, but it's from Dust Bowl and Turlock, uh, Brent and Liberty's favorite city in the world. Oh God. <laughs> It is called Mouthful of Miracles. It is a double brute IPA. All right. And it looks like this. So, yeah. So I, I got that. It's only the same time I've had it. But um, shout out to you, Steve Castle. I'm drinking good beer tonight. There we go. Sounds Sorry, like a Steve porn Castle. movie. <laughs> Mouthful of Miracles. Oh, yeah. That's going to go down in my mouth right now. <laughs> I told Sweet. you my pants were going to get tight. <laughs> so, so hold on. I, I, I wanted, I wanted to bring up something really fast because I, I finally watched the Evil Genius show, uh-huh. a documentary, and I was just, I was, I just was not happy with the whole thing. I feel like it kind of sucked. You know, I, I wish I can get back at least two more hours out of my my life from that, but I can't. Um, and the reason why is I just felt like it was a little underwhelming and a little bit overhumanizing on the part of the two people who, or three, 
that were involved in murdering, you know, two people. And and I, I, I always feel like it was just sort of like washed over, you know, because uh, of, of how they were like, oh, she was a good girl or, oh, he was a great guy, the best guy, best man at my wedding type of stuff, you know? I, I you know, I, I hate to be that kind of shit stain on Erie PA, uh, you know, history. That's what you guys are known for is, you know. That thing you do. Yeah. Yeah. Pat Monaghan, literally, that James Connor, <laughs> Ty Bo, that's your yeah. baby. You, you know, speak, speaking of that thing you do, there was a time maybe like last summer, uh, Mrs. Abby got stuck working till midnight, and uh, little Abby goes to bed at like eight, and I had like this mass amount of free time I've never had before in my life. I spent part of it watching that thing you do because I just cannot resist. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, I want a free evening. I spent it watching that movie. But. That song's so oh, catchy, yeah. though. Mm-hmm. I said Eerie PA. You know? It's just the catchiest song. I'll give it that. Getting their big gig in, uh, getting their big gig down there in Pittsburgh, and then, mm-hmm. yeah, Playtone Records. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, being an Erie resident watching that, you're just like, the, the inaccuracies. Oh, we got to go down <laughs> to Mercier's College down by the airport. They're on opposite sides of town. Oh yeah, I, I, yeah. I can see. I can see how it gets ir- irritating when you know yeah. they they uh, portray the town to be in this fashion that you're like, no, no, it doesn't exist. No. That's yeah. kind of sad, though. I wish. Yeah, I wish like, they would do it. I wish they would do a movie about my my city, but there's nothing fucking here. We had a TV show based here in Modesto a few years ago. Uh, American Crime. First season, American Crime was based out of a uh, Modesto. Hey, American oh. Graffiti was based there. That's an iconic movie. George Lucas is from here. Yeah. He almost Crazy. caused me not to. Yeah, he almost caused me to not close on my house. Hmm. Um, so a little backstory is, um, we we um, bought a fixer upper, and it it was a not even a short sale. <laughs> yeah. It was getting ready. To, the house I bought was uh, about ready to go into like auction or whatever. But, um, anyways. At the very last second, the house passed inspection, and it was like the last day for the people behind the scenes to get the work done because the loan was like we were out of time. We had gotten so many extensions to get it done. Um, well, that day, the businesses we need the people to do their thing at were in downtown, and George Lucas was in town for the first time in like 20 years, and they shut down downtown for him, and like I almost did not get my house. <laughs> Because of George fucking Lucas. Fuck George Lucas. He's a beard away from looking like a penis with a toupee. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, there's no jawline on that guy. It's just it's where no. the face pubes are. That's the only reason you know where the neck ends and the face begins. <laughs> no lips, no jawline, huh? Damn, just a straight head. Yeah, I mean, look at him next time with that the, the, the beard. He does that intentionally. There, there are no facial features on that man, just beard. Yeah. I blame his genes. I blame his mama. This is mom's fault. Yeah, she's that. got billions of dollars now, so yep. I think he can do it. Do it like however he wants. So, so I have to say, uh, trying to get on track a little bit here, um, Brent. Uh, as you are aware, Dill came on this show a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, you guys, that was a great episode. 
Yeah, I was going to say, while everyone who has come on, you've been on twice. Um, Steve Castle has now been on three times. Uh, Dill came on that once, but Dill really raised the bar. So he, he left some pretty big shoes to fill here tonight. So we, we all got to really up our game. Oh, I'm trying to make it even better. I am ready. So, I'm looking forward to this all day. That's awesome. So have I. Um, Stash was busy with plumbing. So. <laughs> be excited <laughs> oh that but, sucks so, yeah i do have plumbing problems around here <laughs> so leaky water pipes so uh brent you uh you get to be the second person among all people everyone now is obligated to do this okay um everyone who comes on the show okay. has to tell us what they're th- if you had an mp3 player at your tombstone and it can only fit three songs. What three songs would you leave behind for your loved ones to listen to? Okay, I'm going to do this chronologically because I think it works the most in that way. And they all sort of like... It's a great way to frame what my musical tastes kind of are and how I got them. So each one has a little story, so I'll just bore you because everybody's sick of listening to my shit already. But... (laughs) I'll start it off. Um, the first one is the 80s classic, Suddenly, by Billy Ocean. It seems like a weird one, but I have a reason for it. Uppy, you lived out here when we were kids. You might remember my dad. He played in different bands. He was always like a singer and guitarist mm-hmm. and would sometimes mm-hmm. get like wedding gigs and stuff. <clears throat> I did well, not know that part. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember in one of the first songs I remember him doing was Suddenly by Billy Ocean, and he practiced it all the time. Played it on the guitar, singing it, making sure he nailed it for this wedding, because it was like the wedding dance song, and he was hired to do it. And, (laughs) you know, I'm just a little kid at the time, and so, like, my brother was too young to even, like, function. He was, you know, shitting his pants and whatever. (laughs) So I'd sit with my dad at, like, four or five years old, and... I'd practice with them and I'd sing the song and it was like the first song where I knew every word to it because we just did it so much. And of course he crushed it. You know, I went mm-hmm. out went to that wedding and destroyed it. And so that was like the first song where it's just like, I had like an intimate almost view of music. That's what sort of started it. So that's definitely the first one. I, I, I gotta ask though. I gotta ask, can you do, a quick rendition of the song. Okay. I used to okay. think that love was just a fairy tale until that first hello, until that first smile. But if I had to do it all again, I wouldn't change a thing cause this love is everlasting. Suddenly, life has new meaning to me. There's beauty up above and things we never take notice of. When you wake up suddenly, you're in love. How was that? I don't know if it was your singing or my mouthful of miracles, but my pants got tired. (laughs) I'm glad to help. <laughs> I think it was the singing. <laughs> I, I, I require this now. So right. I'm going to be at your house. I don't want to get this off topic too far, but I'm going to be at your house in like 105 days. Oh, hell I know yeah. Because I was just in my, I was in my Delta app. 
yesterday. Oh, nice. Um, you were required to sing me to sleep with that song. <laughs> oh, anytime, anytime. You got it. <laughs> so uh, what's your other two? <laughs> All right. Uh, number two, and I can't rap along to this, but it had to be Dre. So I went, ain't nothing but a G thing. A uh, big reason why, you know, when gangster rap came out, that was two words that terrified parents. And, you know, it was like 91, 92 when that dropped. And so we were, what, nine and t- nine, ten years old. And I remember mm-hmm. my parents were like, oh, you could be part of this youth group thing at church. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to hang out with those nerds. Not <laughs> nerds. Those kids were cool as shit. And they're all older than me. So they introduced me to stuff like stuck me those CDs that had like the parental advisory and stuff on it. Nice. And they got me that one, and they're like, oh, you'll love this. And I just listen to it all the time, and I'm a big hip-hop fan to this day, and it all started there. So that's number two, and no, I can't sing that song. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, all the rapping skills are your dad's. Yeah. <laughs> I, know, I know you can hold down some little John or little Wayne yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not nothing's as good as here. Being like, oh, skeet, skeet, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah that one. <laughs> <laughs> he sounds so good to it, though. <laughs> He's a different dude, man. <laughs> so what's number three? Um, number three, and I sort of picked this song because I mainly kind of wanted to pick like the whole album. It's from um, Emergency and I by um, The Dismemberment Plan. I picked The City because I feel like it's the most palatable for everybody else. Um, pretty much came out with like 99, 2000. And if you think about that time, that's when we all got Napster and stuff like that. And growing up in a small town, you sort of like MTV and the radio sort of dictated what people listened to. And though it was much harder at the time to go out and find like something else, it was easier than it had ever been. And you know, the way high school is everybody, it was like an arms race to find the, the new, new, the, the, the new cool thing right. that nobody else was listening to. And so you all sort of partake. And I just remember downloading that album for four and a half days because it just looked cool. (laughs) And then listening. Yeah, you know. You you listen to it. It's like, this is kind of like, you know, I'd kind of compare it to like Pixies for high school kids now. But like, Pixies, yeah. But like, it was like nothing I'd never really heard before. And it sort of opened my mind a little bit and it got me into a lot of different other kinds of music because I'd never heard anything like it. But looking back on a lot of the, the lyrics are kind of like simplistic and childish, but it, it hit at the time. And so, yeah. And so that's why it ends up on there. And then everything else is sort of like derivative of that. So I figure why not put out there where it all started? so i just i just find it interesting that like like you i mean i i grew up in the 90s culture of you know that gangster rap it wasn't even really so much gangster rap it was um what the g-funk era they called it because i didn't i didn't know that these guys were like gangsters it just these songs came out on the radio and i was living over here near la and it it was just awesome it was like damn this is this is some good shit right everybody Mm -hmm. Everybody was listening to it, and I was only 10 or 9 years old, and, you know, um, so I think that's still fucking cool that <laughs> if I would ever visit your gravestone, at least I can hang out and uh, drink a 40 with you. Oh, make sure to pour right. some down on me, man. <laughs> yeah. I'll bring a blunt. <laughs> yeah. I, I could go for that, too. 
Yeah, I'll uh, do a blend with you. I haven't done a blend in a long, about, about 10 years, but yeah, we'll go ahead and do it. Yeah. Actually, yeah. 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 That's awesome because that was like, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, that, that's been like, this has been like the greatest single exercise ever because the best part about having heard, you know, I've done it, Stash has done it. Um, one of our Facebook followers did it on uh, Facebook a few weeks ago, and then uh, Dill did it. It's just nice because you actually get a little piece of every single person. Like everyone's completely different, and it's just a fun look into how people think about stuff like that. Because it's your death. So, yeah. what are your three forever songs? You know. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's gonna be hanging out with you at your tombstone with that song. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. 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 We need to make this a thing that actually happens at tombstones. By the way. We should. Yeah. Hey, there's your get rich. Quick scheme. I mean, Dill told us you and him had like three million get get rich quick scheme. Oh yeah, Maybe that's well. I mean, going. when we met, we were in poverty. It was kind of what we had. <laughs> right. Anything to pass the time better? Yeah, exactly. Might as well live in our fantasy yeah. land. Hey, you know what? One of those was we need to make a podcast, and we actually did that one. So yeah, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, you're like. <laughs> You're like us. You're like us. We did the same. You know, he did the same thing. I'm like, hey, I wish we lived closer. And he's like, well, actually, yeah. we need to make a podcast, and we'll right. always be close, <laughs> and call right. each other, and text each other yeah. all week long. <laughs> well, this is a funny thing because I I, re- I referenced Steve Castle earlier, and you know the thing is the scope is where I, uh, Stash wants to give me some credit for some things. Mm-hmm. It really comes down to you, Brent, because like. More than anybody, like Steve Castle texts me quite often, and we talk, and we talk beer and travel and all this other stuff. I didn't know him two months ago, but I know him because of you. I know Dill because of you. Like, Dill will text me, and and then now Stash knows all you guys. It's, it's just this weird, awesome thing we ended up with. It, it, it's actually a lot of what I want to talk about tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Though? I'll be, I'll say this much: it's been so much fun that um, I always get the I always get the side eye and the and the comment of who are you talking to? And I said, "Do you really want to see this?" <laughs> uh, oh my gosh! I have to <laughs> just reminds me. I'm sorry. <laughs> it reminds really me of the, it reminds me of the story from last year. Um, before I I knew you, Stash or. And it, yeah, when we were honestly just getting established, I've been playing in this fantasy football league with uh, my college roommate, um, his brother, who you guys know is Ted Brogan, and a bunch of guys they went to high school with since like 13 years now. And some of the guys I only know through that, but a lot of them are teachers and a lot of them have like well-respected jobs and stuff like that, but they're available. And we, we start this group text. It probably will be starting any day now. Just start trying to plan the draft, plan what we're going to do. But Mm -hmm. in this group text, it's the most lurid evil shit you've ever seen in your life. Just everybody's (laughs) ripping on each other and just destroying each other. And it's terrible jokes. Well, we're well into it. It's one of those days where this thing has been popping off all day long. Every time I look at my phone, there's 20 new text messages, and all of them are hilarious. From college professors and titans of business and all that we've all become. We have scientists in this shit. All of a sudden, the one person's like, You people are disgusting. Please take me out of this. 
Mm. And we're like, we thought it was our yeah, friend. Baby. And we're just giving him, yeah, we're just like, oh, you bitch, you're giving up shit. We realized <laughs> this friend had changed their phone number. And the whole time that all this group text has been happening, it's some terrified old lady reading the most terrible things in the history of the world. Oh, you guys are some fucked up people. <laughs> <laughs> we, re- we restarted it without her. But I actually had to go home from work that day because I was just reading. I'm just like, I can't take this anymore. This is unbelievable. You are some disgusting people. Yeah. <laughs> this poor fucking old lady is like just is having a heart attack you know sitting on her couch watching matlock and shit and here you guys are just talking shit to each other if it's with dick pics and everything (laughs) oh i don't want to see their tiny dicks (laughs) so um (laughs) all right listen listen let me ask you a quick question though yes all right let's go back to the evil genius and 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 i i just want to touch back on this because Was, I think it was you that texted me that said, uh, how was it humanizing? I I feel like because they focus too much on like how much, um, how, how much these people were like super smart and they always thought they can get away with it and that they always had like these human interactions, but they totally just did just disregarded the, those two people that died, you know, the guy that fucking got his neck blown off. And then, you know, the guy that was found in a freezer, that like their stories were never really told about who they were or, you know, how they got involved. And and I just feel like that's how come and humanized them, you know? It sucked. I mean, a couple of things about that. I mean, part of that was, you know, you kind of have to build a setting and everything like that. But I feel another part of it is if you're a detective looking in on this, and I mean, the detective's solved all this they went through they figured this all out you know they on the scene they really screwed up but that's yeah that's police that's not the detectives and i mean but if you're doing homicide you have to identify with the killer not the victim and so a lot of your sources are going to come from people who spent a lot of time identifying with the killer and not the victim thinking how the killer thinks in order to capture the killer and they're going to be your main sources on that. So I think a lot of that just happens organically. No, I, I, okay, I hear you. I hear you on the organically part, but here, here's where I feel it's inorganic is that it's a lot of it's, a lot of it is, is coming off of um, what the police said and not so much of like what they figured out. Right. And so that's why I feel like it, it, it just did not serve. Who was, the person that was the, that was producing the the documentary did they really feel like they were doing justice? No, because they went off everything the police said. Well, then they just might as well have called it Erie PA's documentary on you know uh, from the police departments, all sources from them, and not so much as that as them being actual true documentary of figuring out what what the fuck really happened, and 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 who was affected and who were really all these people, and they didn't do that. A lot of it was just the police. I mean, I can do that. I, I'll, I'll go out there and fucking and talk to the police and just say the police said, and then I'll just be like everybody else. Well, I mean, you got to remember that the documentary was made and produced by people not from here. You know, it was the, mm-hmm. the Duplass brothers who've done great work. I like a lot of their movies, honestly. Yeah. But, um, 
you know, they had to go with the sources that we had. I mean, nobody was going to... You want to know what I was doing when that happened? Checking off. I was working at McDonald's. And yeah? Yeah, and Uppy probably knows, but you've never been to this area. This all happened around another McDonald's, and we had friends that were working there. And we just heard somebody blew up by that McDonald's, and we're all like, oh, shit. You know, I hope my friends are okay. You know, I'm not a good source for that. You know, they had to go with the yeah. people who knew the most. Like, people have wrote, yeah, like, the lead detectives have written books on this. Um, the guy who did the courtroom sketches that you see in there, he's actually a big fan of mm -hmm. our show and has offered to do some stuff with us, and we really hope that we can make this happen. It's just, when it, oh, comes, it, to, oh, when it comes to producing something like that, it's a big undertaking for, because, I mean, I feel like I'd kind of have to take some of the lead on this one, and I work... 60 hours a week you know <laughs> like yeah so so that's what's holding that up is if we're gonna do it we got to do it right and it almost has to yeah. become like a serial style podcast in order to truly do that justice and in order to produce something like that is a massive massive undertaking i mean even for us to do what we do it's a round you know, we're always planning we're always talking even just pulling off what we do so something mm -hmm. like that with that sort of narrative structure and that sort of just deep dive into it it's gonna take a lot but i can tell you we at least got one guy on board for when this happens it's just gonna be a project nice i'm excited i want to hear it oh, absolutely. well you know absolutely. The, the, the sketcher the sketcher did did um uh did say that you know throughout the time he was uh softened softened her her looks and whatnot and i think he kind of fell into her her trap as well like um at the end of you know, at the end of it, he he did say that. So I I I want to hear. So so my thing is really grill him, like 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 ask him, like is is this truly really a human being that you want to soften that cold blood murdered a boyfriend and then cold blooded murdered uh their their partner in crime, you know? Or are, are you really truly you know? And 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 ask those questions. You know what um. I'm really happy you mentioned this because, I mean, I can. I've talked to the guy. I have his email address. He wants to be on the show when this happens. This is something we okay. can do. So we can sort of add to that world in that way. So I'll yeah. thank you for <clears throat> bringing this up because if, you know, if this is going to be our masterpiece, I kind of want to do it the best I can possibly do it. So even off-air stash you have suggestions, mm -hmm. I want to hear them. Because anything that okay. can make this better, I want. Yeah, no, I'm down. So yeah, thank I'll you. let you know. I really appreciate it, dude. Just yeah. don't listen to his white privilege stuff. That's, <laughs> that's, don't that was that was he's just hook. jealous. He's, he's a little brown. He's a little jealous. I uh, that was that was my hook. I thought someone would would bite on that that little bait that I put out there. But I the almost been on. <laughs> I know, but you were, it, wasn't, it wasn't meant for you. It wasn't meant for you. But the the reason why I say it that way is because I see a lot of you know profiles of people that come out. And it's not so humanizing. It's it's very, um, you know, like these these kids were brutal. They're thugs. They grew up this way or that way. And then here you are, Erie, Pennsylvania, small town, you know, and and they get the full benefit of this documentary, and they're still sort of um, humanized, you know. 
like the the and this is what got me it's like what could have been she had her she got her bachelor's in psychology and her, her master's in education right what could have been well you i know? feel that that, that also that, sort of sets the yeah it, it it sets the mood sets the tone gives us the setting gives us all that because you start mm-hmm. to think yeah you, you have to answer those questions you have to even if it's just on your own you get you build the narrative by knowing you know the antagonist a little bit more i get it but it's still humanizing yeah but i mean if it's if we do this as 80s style movie and it's just somebody steven seagal's breaking their arm then <laughs> what kind of like documentary do we have well, since we ended up on this discussion again <laughs> which I, I, was not in our plans for tonight i, 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 I love the way this discussion that. i mean really i we're, i think we're talking about two different things in a way because I'm mainly talking about storyboarding and like narrative structure, and I think that's really where a lot of this comes from. Well, and and I'm going for substance is where I'm going at. Like I'm getting to the, to the meat and potatoes of it. Well, hundred percent, that, and that's where I felt empty. Yeah, I felt yeah. empty at like at the end of it. Like, you know, they had to meet in I the just middle, didn't... but in order to to make it something that was is as big of a success as it was, I, I think they kind of had to make two points meet, which by the way, a little update for everybody out there. Um, there was a massive fire there and Mamma Mia's pizza is now shut down. Isn't it? Which sucks. Cause it was really good. Was it? No kidding. I, I hope they, I hope they open again. It was the Chinese restaurant adjacent to it that caught fire. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah the one that so um, gonna... the one that Steve Castle's always mourning that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm going to ask you the same thing I asked Dill. Okay. Um, so when the initial investigation was done, mm-hmm. the FBI concluded Brian Wells was a co-conspirator, not a victim. Mm-hmm. And it's my understanding from not having watched the Evil Genius. Um, miniseries because I don't have Netflix. Um, from what I've read, is they kind of conclude that Brian Wells was a victim for the most part. Where 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 do you lie on I, all this? I think the, slash victim, a little bit of both. Or yeah, I think the truth lies in the middle. I don't think that he thought it was going to go as far as it did. I mean, there's no way that he would have signed up for the way it ended. But I do think he was kind of a oh. mark. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, I'm going to ask you a question I, I didn't ask, Dill. Um, do you think the um, I don't I don't remember her name. The um, for the lack of a better term, the prostitute. Oh yeah, gosh. Um, <laughs> was she pregnant the with blonde hair? The blonde haired. Yeah, the blonde haired. Yeah. You know what's funny? Blonde haired prostitute. She she gets like arrested like once every three or four months and then social eerie social media roasts her and it's always kind of funny <laughs> what she get arrested for is it is it like is it like she's is she targeted like can she not live a normal life drugs and prostitution what else would she be arrested for i'm just saying like <laughs> I, is she just tar- is she targeted like you know that you know they know her you know oh I, she is i don't think they needed a mm-hmm. smash hit netflix documentary to know that she was on back page <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, she did. She did 
you did paint him as a simp, so you know, like, hey, you know, we we'll get this guy to do whatever we want, you know. So yeah, that's what did, I think. I, I, I think I, I I think he was sort of a patsy. Yeah, he participated in it because he wanted to feel like he was involved in something. And I think you're right, though, on saying that he didn't he didn't quite understand what he was getting himself into because those other two fuckers were truly evil. Like like they were mm. they were playing chess and he was fucking playing checkers. Yeah. You know, right? He was, pl- yeah, he was playing Candyland and they were playing chess. He, yeah, yeah. Hungry, <laughs> hungry hippos. Dude, hungry, and hungry hippos. Playing, legit. Yeah, and then these guys are fucking playing, you know, uh, surgeon and whatnot. The fucking, you know, when they were trying to pull off. That it's nuts though. Like you guys can have that shit happen in your own backyard, and then and then it'd be like um, one of your one of your historical things, you know, like oh hey yeah yeah you know, we know one one guy got his fucking head blown off. Oh really? Okay, tell me about it. Well, then also not forget that you know down where Uppy and I grew up, that's where Bud Dwyer was from. The guy who committed fraud or whatever was like the, uh, what was it, like state treasurer or something like that, mm-hmm. and committed suicide on live television when we were all children and didn't know it was happening. Holy shit, you guys live in a fuck. I thought I lived in a fucked up place. See, that one was crazy because like I kind of started learning what that was, and I was actually visiting you at the time, Brent. Um it was sometime in the last 10 years because you were already with Lady Liberty. Yeah. And so I got on Google. I did my thing. And I, I, was, I was amazed to learn because I forget what year it happened. But when I like was looking, researching it, I learned that half of the news stations actually played the whole video. Most played up until the point in which he shot himself. But some of the news stations actually played the whole thing. And then you can actually, I'm not sure if you still can, but at the time, like you, you could go on YouTube and actually see him shoot himself. Oh, you can certainly it's find not. it out there. It, it exists it's on the there? internet. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have you ever heard the song, uh, Hey Man, Nice Shot by Filter? Oh, no. Can't say that I have. No. You've heard it. You just don't know it. But that's, no, that okay. song is based off of Bud Dwyer's Suicide. Nice. Okay. Well, um... We are about halfway through. We're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back um, after this quick interlude, we're actually going to get into why Brent is here. So we'll see you on the other side. I used to think that love was just a fairy tale. Until that first hello Until that first smile But if I had to do it all again I wouldn't change a thing Cause this love is everlasting Suddenly Okay, welcome back, everyone. Hope you enjoy the music. And um, we are here, and we're actually going to try 
to get on task and stay on task. Um, that whole first half of the show wasn't planned. It was like uh, ADD theater over here. But uh, that's I'm, quite all right. That's what we do. I'm hoping you can edit it into something good. And I, <laughs> I tried to do as less work as possible when I edit. I get um, that. <laughs> um, um, so I, I still think it was entertaining. It wasn't what we planned by far, but that's okay because uh, we we oftentimes here up in the stash, we fly by the seat of our pants. We don't have a plan. We just show up and, you know, it works. <laughs> it works some of the time. So um, I'll just let you tell it. So um, you were the first person. You know, we, we've had um, we've had uh, Steve Castle. We've had um, Dill. Um, Ted was supposed to join us last Saturday, but he had family obligations. Um, you and Ted were the first two. Um, we always give everyone, um, just for the audience's sake, we always give you guys the option to talk about what you want because we know you guys have a very specific brand at Idiotville. And we also know that you guys are individuals. You have interests other than the things you talk about on Idiotville. So you were one that, uh, you and Ted were the only two that actually said, Hey, I, I would like to talk about something specific. So how about you lead? How about you in your own words? Cause you have bigger words than I do. Um, tell us what we're talking about tonight. Well, um, tonight we're sort of talking about social media, the advent of it, where it came from, how it unites us and how it divides us. Uh, it's such a massive driver in social and political discourse these days. And it seems like everybody's reaction to that is just some one-off that fits on an image macro. So I figure tonight we dive into it a little bit, really discuss how it changed our society and how we yeah and how how we deal with it. so so really the internet um i when i think about it, like I, I would think you know going back to let's say 20 25 years ago when we're all getting america online in our houses getting into chat rooms causing mischief he was you know we're spunky teenagers um <laughs> Oh. You know, we, we had chat rooms, yeah. you know, we had ICQ and Instant Messenger, but there, there am I missing something? Uh, was there anything that fits that description back in those days? Because I, I kind of just remember chat rooms and the first thing, um, I don't, I'm not sure what the demographic of our audience is, but typically in our age range, the first thing you might message somebody was ASL, you know, <laughs> what's your age, sex, location. Oh, 100%. But, um, and, you know, it was a godsend to us. It really was, in, in many ways. And I've made this joke before, but uh, one of the coolest things about it was it was, um, I remember we got it in, like, 95. And here we all made the same mistake. You get those AOL discs in the mail, and you're like, man, we have a computer. We can connect. We have a modem <laughs> to it. Let's do this. And we do it, right. and we, you know, try to see what the hype's all about. Well, in our small town... Everything was based here in Erie, which is about 45 minutes away from where I grew up. So it was long distance. So you get those 10 free hours of internet service, but it comes with like a hefty $300 phone bill that nobody was expecting. Oh. So yeah, we got that taste, and then we started to get, you know, ISPs down there. And like, oh my god, that was a gold rush. It was amazing. I remember mine, my ISP, it was called Gremlin, Greater Meadville Local Access Network. 
it had a message board and you could talk to people. And it was the first place that I ever did. And some of those people were pretentious, but I was too young to call them out on that. So I just kind of sounded like a dumbass. <laughs> I'm like, you talk funny, asshole. And thinking I'm edgy, you, you know. Talk. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a normal human yeah, yeah. So I, I, I didn't acquit myself very well, but I mean, it was a whole new world to me. And it right. was just, you know, right. we, at that age, you know, like I explained to my son a lot of times, like with gaming and stuff, we could see the rising tide of what it would become. And the same, it works with the internet, but we knew that we weren't there yet. Mm-hmm. And so just the idea of like talking to people, I remember just finding chat rooms and just, meeting people and you know trying to mack on different girls and uh, you know without fear of rejection exactly yeah you just move on and you can make yourself into whatever you wanted to and for you know Mm -hmm. some pubescent weird shit like myself you know you could it was great because (laughs) you could escape from that reality and it was also great for us too because in that time, that was about while you moved to the other side of the country. Yeah. And a big reason that we were able to maintain a friendship at that time, because I, I remember people had moved to Meadville, and, like, which was seven miles away, and it was like they moved to the moon. They didn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. A but, whole seven miles? Yeah. I mean, you just whole seven, you yeah. weren't there. You, uh, you couldn't ride your bike there. They weren't at your school. Yeah. You know, unless your parents right. took yeah. you there. They didn't exist. And suddenly the whole world existed. And it's like, so when you moved, it was like at the perfect time. I know Mm -hmm. of of all the times I moved. Yeah, because, yeah, we actually lived somewhere in town and we actually had the Internet for the first time. And um, you you hit the nail on the head that that's what helped. It wasn't everything. I mean, you know, we still used telephones back then. I, I would call once in a while, but it wasn't the same as it's Friday night. We're all bored-ass teenagers playing solitaire on a computer. That's how many people we can chat with at once and keep up with the conversations. And like you said, it shrunk the world because, you know, as we sit here now, we're 2,700 miles apart, but we're connected on the Internet in real time. Yeah. Just like our kids are right now playing video games, Mm -hmm. you know, 10 feet from me. So. Yeah, and, and, I mean, the kids will never know any different, and but – you know, no. we kind of came up and we, yeah. <laughs> we, we, we know different, but we're still young enough where we could adapt to it. Exactly. You know, and it changed everything. You said, it, yeah, it literally changed everything. Yeah. Or even think as you, you know, like when, because you knew it would happen, you know, it was the, really the wild west there for a while. People come up with it and it still happens now, but now there's, you know, conglomerates that run a lot of it. And, <laughs> you know, as a lot of those the, the internet started to gel and we would have things like instant messenger. I feel like that was really the advent of social media. You know, how would you show your individuality, your right. away message or your profile? And then, yep. yeah, then you, you know, how, how many times did you score dates just by, you know, pitching game at somebody you knew on instant messenger? Like I was in yeah. college at the yeah. time. It was like, that was like Hub Central. If you needed to find somebody, you got their instant messenger name. Texting was still yeah. T9 and sucked. Right. Yeah, but you hear <laughs> ding, had to type ding, every time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There would always be a, you know, some sort of a, a, 
alert that uh, you know message was in so but but let's let's move away from the early years and let's get into like myspace that's yeah, why really like they like, really that's where the drop customization came in yeah, yeah. you oh, know man. because i feel like myspace taught us taught us how to code you know myspace taught us how to like set up pages and people were making money on you know People well, that just well, didn't, didn't know anything but knew how to do that, you know. To, to go to go further itch. back, to go further back to when Brent's talking, we all had our own Angel Fire websites, so we, we kind of learned our you know HTML and stuff like that from having our own Angel Angel Fire pages, and we all took a lot of pride in that too. <laughs> it was almost a competition who had the best one. Uh, it, you but, know, it's kind of funny because when we started that, like I had a different vision than other kids did in that, and I'm not going to pretend that I'm the only one. But I felt like everyone had this power. Like, oh well, here's some pictures of I don't know what you know. I'm a big fan of Backstreet Boys. Here's some pictures. Here's a link mm. to their website right on my message board. We sort of made like early version of blogs on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, much. Yeah. yeah, and you know, so everything sort of came from that too. I mean, you even see like you know some of them from back then were able to turn it into like, I mean, you have like Sean Baby who still writes for all sorts of comedy websites. You might remember the greatest page in the universe, and that dude has like written several books, has a podcast, shit on YouTube. I mean, that's his career still from making that shit like back when we were in high school. And, yeah, right. Yeah, and I mean, it sort of everything grew from there, and it started to come to a head in MySpace. And if it got to the point where if you didn't have a MySpace, you kind of sucked. And it, yeah. MySpace, dare I say, kind of taught us social hierarchy too, because heaven forbid if you moved somebody else around in your top like six. Oh man, or yeah. top ten. Like I lost friends five. over why is she higher than me? It's like, well, yeah. I don't know. My dick wasn't around recently. I don't know. Like, <laughs> just happened. You, know? you, told, you told me no, bitch. Hello. <laughs> yeah, I remember people lobbying me for like space in the top eight. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Well, here, here, here's here's how much it affected our 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 ideas of it. That there's one song from Pitbull where she he says, "You're on my top eight. Right. That's how you know you made it because it's it's in our songs. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's mm-hmm. crazy. It's crazy that how, how we think of social media that way. Um, but MySpace also taught me this. What other person's favorite music was based on the time that you clicked on their page and that music started. And you're like, OK, this person's depressed. Okay, right. yeah, we gotta help him. <laughs> we gotta fucking help this guy before he dies, right? Or like this guy's in a good mood because he fell in love or he got laid, right? There's always uh, some song that popped up. That was yeah. fun, man. That was a little good. That was time. me. <laughs> <laughs> my 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 absolute favorite thing about MySpace, honestly, was the access of how easily we could have had our own blogs. Like mm-hmm. it, it was that transition from our days getting started in Angel Fire. Um yeah, and I, yeah, that was my absolute part about favorite part about MySpace was getting to have my own blog, and I cared more about uh, what I wrote on there, how many people commented, how many people read it. Like that was that's what drove drove me um, socially in those days was you know what can I write and how far can I push my ability that people are going to like it. And yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think we all just kind of wanted to be seen. We wanted to be heard. 
And it gave us a real ability to do that. And, I mean, there are people who made, as Stash was saying, people made a lot of money off that. And there's some, not even with the designing, just furthered their career. Like, yeah, I mean, look at how big Dane Cook got at that time from MySpace. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all laugh at that now. Like, oh, what the hell were we thinking? But he... Sufi. Yeah. You, you know what? He he grabbed it. He ran with it. He understood the value of social media before a lot of people did. It really mm-hmm. made himself a lot of money in the mid-2000s. And a lot of it came back down to his MySpace page. Yeah. Well, he also got to kiss Jessica Alba. Remember that, though. Oh, in his man. movie. Yeah. That's still devastating. <laughs> I can't believe that happened. My my only problem was he was. I think he was more popular from his energy than he was as his actual talent. But. Yeah, he's oh, not 100%. that talented. I'm just a I'm just a poor guy bitching on a rich guy. That's all. Yeah, we do all the time with Ben Shapiro around here, but yeah, fuck Ben um, Shapiro. If you're listening, to Ben Shapiro, if you're listening to me, fuck you, and your mama, and your girlfriend, and your wife, whoever else. I don't care about you. Come come debate me on this show. I'll fucking kill you. I'll slay you. You got nothing on me. Oh, he'll bury that yeah. then. Huh? He'll bury that then. <laughs> oh, God. You oh, man. It's funny because uh, we, we spoke about Ben Shapiro recently. Then your brother on my Facebook recently got into a fight about Ben Shapiro with somebody. Not It yet. was perfect. My brother is not a Ben Shapiro fan. <laughs> Nor should anyone be. No, no one should be a Ben fan no no as 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 i was as i was saying to up he was he's just a fast talking uh put words together and somehow it makes sense no it doesn't he, he got on joe rogan he got caught about um the whole idea of same-sex marriages but he could not back up what he was really trying to say he was he, he kept going around in circles but he couldn't back anything up He's a fucking hack, man. He just gets paid a million dollars just to say the shit that's written out to him. And he says, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the way it sounds. And then he talks really fast like that. And he says, yeah, well, you know, if you don't like Western civilization, then I guess you're not uh, part of what we're, t- we're talking about here. And then uh, Western civilization and our, our records show that uh, we, we are smart and that we're, we're, we're the finest people in the world and our morals are here because Western civilization. And that's all, that's all he does. That's it. And he just yells into his microphone. That's his that's shtick. You Nothing know, else. My problem is, is yeah, we, we can ag- agree. He's all talking points, and we know that. But he comes with that strong academic background, you know, being like that child prodigy who skipped grades and graduated from the best schools. And it gives him credibility in people who want credibility in those talking points. But that seems to be a trend among talking heads. I mean, those same people that point to those don't point to Keith Olbermann's ability to graduate high school at 15 go to you know graduate from uh ivy league university in his teens i mean that dude is brilliant as well but they're both sort of blowhards though on different sides and i have a theory about that i I really think they spent a lot of their lives as the smartest person in the room so when you're the smartest yeah. person in the room, why listen to anybody else in the room? And yeah. you fall so deep into your own head and into your own world, and you have a bunch of people that are willing to back you up on that. I mean, why do you think you end up with somebody like Bobby Fischer at the end of his life after being you know, a brilliant yeah, grandmaster at chess 
like fearing the Zionist government and thinking that Jews are taking over the world and then dying alone. Because he was always yeah. the smartest one in the room, and everybody always backed him up until they didn't. Yeah, but there's a big caveat, a caveat between that smart um, Bobby Fisher, who who did not have the breeding and money to go to private schools, as did maybe Oberman. I don't know Oberman's. I don't know Oberman's thing, uh, but I, but Shapiro comes from money. Um, so those 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 type of people that come from money the way he did come up in a society where they are bred into this view of this um, ultra ultra society idea of like what we should be doing and and how how we should think right they're think tanks like they are fed this idea. Um, day in and day out from the time that they're like fucking five years old until they get into Harvard until they go and they graduate from from Harvard um, into law school again and been shit back out again and they're fed into every single thing every single idea that he's got is not new because he was fed it and he's just regurgitating it all over again he's just a new face on old shit it's all he is nothing else but I mean, nothing else because because that's all he is. He is like this. This these societies build themselves up with the money that he grew up with to say, hey, poor people should work harder because they're not working hard as we are. Or um, another thing is that uh, well, gay marriage shouldn't exist because it. it uh, I, I feel like it's between one man, one woman type of thing, right? But. Fucking Jesus hung around fucking sex workers his entire fucking 32 years on this earth and he dies. And then you're telling me like fucking all of a sudden, just because you're Jewish, you, you can't support it. He's a hack. Oh, he's a total hack. But at least what he believes benefits him personally. Monetarily, money-wise, yeah, money-wise, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, he can push that because you have so many people that you know believe and vote against their own self-interest mm-hmm. because they, you know, they, they they accuse the left of identity politics. Well, there's certainly a lot of identity politics on the right. You know, that's it. You're God-fearing. You have your guns. And I mean, and how else? Yeah. yeah, and your religion, and how, and that that's how you that's how you get these people that's how you get people who believe that you know trump is this down-to-earth godly man sent to save this country even though he shits on a golden toilet could yeah would be disgusted by any of our living conditions that man should not relate to us at all but you know it's all about playing that identity politics a guy like trump doesn't give a shit about abortion he's probably paid for more than anybody we know but he'll gladly yeah, toe he... that line because it benefits him. And that's all that stuff. Climate denial. You know, and any sort of, like, racist thing you see out there. It's all to make rich people more money. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so at least he's a rich person making money off of it and not some fucking <laughs> Mark who just buys into this system. Okay. I'll, I'll say this much, though. Like, like um... Uh, ben Shapiro and I are probably like the same height. I probably outweigh him by like a good thirty pounds because he's like. I had no like idea you were five two. two. No, no, I'm five four, 100, 150 pounds, and he is he's like five two one twenty. I'll knock the shit out of him. 
Uh, how come every time you mention your weight, it goes up? <laughs> Last because, week you were one forty-five. Well, because <laughs> I have too many burritos this week. No, I've been I've been drinking pale ales. Shit! My God, I'm six one. I must. Feel, I feel like Shaquille O'Neal next to you. <laughs> yeah, well, my grandpa's six one, and my son will probably be six one. He took all the all the genes that I I I, I like to say I'm the sacrifice. Everybody else grew up bigger. But My me. son hit puberty yeah, yesterday, and he's taller than you. Did he? Yeah, yeah, I bet. I bet. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> back to the to the social media thing, because it sort of leads, yeah, you know, it sort of leads into where we got with the Shapiro. But what came after yeah. that? Facebook. No. What are you going to say? It I leads mean, into what? Yeah, well, that led into Facebook. And I'll tell you what was cool about Facebook at the time, as I was a college student. It had that air of exclusivity to it. And that made it cooler. Because then it was like, oh, MySpace is the trailer park. I don't want to hang out in the trailer park. We got this going on. You have to have a .edu email address to get there. And it's not at all schools, but they chose my school. It kind of felt like you are in the inn. And if you were out, you wanted to be in the inn. And I think that's how they grew. And it's kind of crazy, you know, that juxtaposition compared to where they are currently. What year did Facebook officially come out? What, what was the official launch date? Do you remember? It was like 04 or 05. I want to say like 05. Was it? Damn. Yeah. Well, I remember like having friends at Florida State and they got it before us. Like, what do you mean you're not on Facebook, dude? Fuck MySpace. Get off that shit. They didn't have it at my school yet. And I remember we got it yeah. spring of 05 at my school. Wow, because because I don't I don't remember logging in to fi- finally getting my own page, and this is like not just me. This was this was this was me and other people that we didn't get on until like two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So really, okay, I'll finally get on. Yeah, I, I was really upset. They were very slow to add Modesto Junior College, which is why um, I had to wait until everyone <laughs> could have one. <laughs> to get a Facebook because they were not adding me to so junior college. It was not high on the priority list. <laughs> well, it may even seem like elitist, but I mean, when they opened it up to everybody, we kind of felt like, oh, well, this is the end because it could be our world where we could talk dumb shit and laugh about it later. You know, we knew that someday we'd all look ridiculous where all our pictures are us at some fucking frat party or some shitty bar dressed up like so, yeah, assholes yeah. wearing way too much Abercrombie and drinking the cheapest beer we could find. You know, we knew that didn't hold up, but it was okay. Cause it only existed in our world. And then it was going to be yeah. everyone's world. Yeah. And I mean, from there, since that did become in, in there, there, I mean, Facebook's still the, still the biggest. You have so many now, like, my my son, he has social media. He has no interest in Facebook at all. That's the problem is it dies out with the younger generation for them. But it's so ubiquitous now. I mean, think about this. You sign up for a fantasy football team. Right. You sign up anywhere. You can quick sign up using your Facebook account. So it's like it spiders its way across the Internet. Yeah. And it becomes like yeah, the catch-all for everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to have one or the other. You know, you can't have one without the other. 
Mm-hmm. You can't. And then even if you're like the younger kids, where it's like, man, Facebook's so played out. It's where old people embarrass themselves. I'm going on Instagram. Who owns Instagram? <laughs> Facebook. Exactly. No. Well, no, yeah, not only that, but now, now you're you're still you're still playing into the same thing because all you're doing is just posting your fucking picture and then adding your comments afterwards, right? There's no difference. It's just a different. It's just a different look, you know. And so, but and just way more fucking filters or whatever. But still, I I don't take fucking very pretty pictures, so that's why I don't do it. Yeah, I mean, I do it, but I get that it's not for me. It's for people yeah. who are young and beautiful, and I'm not either of those things. <laughs> we are the, we are the quintessential fucking born in the early '80s. Uh, we don't know where we stand in this world right now. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I, I totally agree with that. And in like, I mean, I have a coworker who was born in 1997. Holy oh, shit. Yeah. Really good, really good kid. Age. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's crazy because, like, um, I, I can do a little bit better than that because, um, as Stash knows, um, my union uses me a lot for member recruitment, um, which is nice because they will pay my employer for my day's wages to borrow me to go do union stuff. And sometimes I do, like, pay attention to the birth dates that people are putting on their forms because I, I've had one as uh, late as like 2000 or 2001. Wow. Like, Holy crap, wow. I was an adult. Nice. Now, you're, now you're old enough. Like, <laughs> it's crazy. Well, that, nice. that's what I always tell, tell my friend at work that's 22. And I'm just like, dude, I was doing the math. And if I would have knocked up the girl I lost my virginity to, that kid would be like 18 months younger than you. Oh, crap. Oh, I don't know. So my work, my work hires high school kids for the summer to do our job for half the price. Uh, we had a kid. Um, he's actually down. He, he's actually near you now, Brent. He's in the Coast Guard station out there by Pittsburgh. Oh, cool. um, he worked with us the past two summers. And funny story is... I graduated high school the same night his mom did. <laughs> the first time I met him, I was like, oh, shit, I could be your dad. I'm not your dad, but I could be. Like, shit, I'm the same age as your parents. Are you ready to feel old? Um, yeah. One of the uh, top... Stash can't feel old. He's born in 83. Mm-hmm. He's still young. All right, well, but I, I can feel old. All right. One of the um, top basketball recruits this year went to Duke, and his name's Vernon Carey, Jr., the six foot ten monster is replacing Zion Williamson next year. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, I've heard that freaking name. I'm like, oh yeah, didn't his dad play for the U back in the day with like, you know, Ken Dorsey, Willis McGahee, Andre Johnson, Jonathan Vilma, all those dudes when they were beasts. Sure enough, I was mm-hmm. right, and he played for the Miami Dolphins after that. So I look Jeez. it up. He is six months older than me, and graduated high school the same year as us. And now his son is the top recruit in college basketball. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah you're fucking old, man. You're old. I'm glad I'm the youngest guy here on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact Thursday. Me and Brent are only three weeks apart. Yes. Yes. But I am the <laughs> second. I am the, I'm right in the middle. Up, you are the oldest. <laughs> 
those three weeks of experience Damn. and knowledge that you gained. I know, huh? I <laughs> which, know. Is cr- which cracks me up every year when you text my birthday, you old ass. I was like, <laughs> what are you going to be in three weeks? <laughs> three weeks. Well, you're going to be like crazy. three weeks younger than you. Well, here, here's something crazy. My sister and I are only nine months apart. Oh damn! That is it exactly to the fucking T. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm. Uh, let's see. She's. I'm. I'm February of '83, uh, and she is April of '82. Wow! Wow! So, your parents didn't yeah. pass around. Well, they did. <laughs> well, I always look. At, <laughs> I always look at my so like my parents were married in June of '81, and I was born in May of '82. So there was really no honeymoon period. And they spent that no. honeymoon period making me. Yeah, uh-huh. they they were probably already making you probably before the honeymoon. So. Uh-huh. I mean, eleven months <laughs> later, I was born. They they had like no fun. There was no hey, we're yeah. married, we're young, let's go out and get shit faced. They did that once, and my right. mom got pregnant Free. with me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they they didn't do they didn't do the whole year like let's let's be married for a year stage, you know? Let's have fun. It went straight to like let's just have a kid. Right. Well, Dang. you know, the thing is, so Stash, uh, one thing that we out here don't have to worry about, mm-hmm. but I, I laugh because I, I always pay attention to when the birthdays are lumped together back in the East Coast because, hmm, that makes sense. It's starting to get cold. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of summer birthdays because it was getting cold at the time they were conceived. Well, you have to remember <laughs> that I was born in South Texas. That's true. So there was no getting cold. Yeah. There was a lot of tornadoes at the time. Most yeah. likely, yes. No, her parents were scared. Yeah. Well, I was an accident. My mom told me after um, I mentioned my little accident, whose room I'm sitting in. <laughs> Did you kick him out of the room? What happened? Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, downstairs. Dick around the po- the phone I pay for, so he's okay. Yeah, he's so, nice. That's what happens. He's happy. He's happy. That's, that's, like you said, that's what we pay for. Uh, yeah. Just for them to not respond to you when you actually text them. I wish this was my room. Yeah. Look at all this cool Mario shit behind me. Right? I see it. It's fucking. <laughs> it's nice. It looks fucking awesome behind there. So do we um trying to resemble some order here? Yeah. Um, right, well, let's just say it so, brings us. So Facebook and social, uh, the socio political discourse, like. Everything we talked about before it had nothing to do with social political discourse because we weren't talking about that on um, AIM. We weren't talking about that stuff on MySpace. But suddenly, boom, 2016 happened, and Facebook went from being a normal place where people just posted uh, shitty food pictures to uh, that's all we talk is politics now. So what happened? I feel that all that time from the AOL days – to Angel Fire, to Instant Messenger, to MySpace. It was all leading to that moment. Because when we were all shot out there into the abyss, we were all looking for somebody like us. You know, I went to a very small high school. And I had friends, but I realized very early on that, you know, there was things where I just wasn't like them, that a lot of them were just trying too hard. And then, you know, you learn later on that they all thought the same thing and that we all had the same insecurities, but we were too afraid to say it. But, you know, you're living in that world and you find somebody who's into what you're into, no matter what it is, if it's the sport team, if it's art, if it's some certain movie or whatever. And that was what was cool about the Internet. 
The problem is, is that the village idiots also found those people. And once they, you know, they're stronger together. And they can bring in more and more people that way. And I think that's why we become a little more divided these days. Is because not only do the loudest on the extreme left and the extreme right dictate, like, the conversation. But they also can recruit from people who find that instinct in themselves. And I think that's a lot of what led us to 2016. And you know what? If you're paying attention on social media, you saw it coming a lot earlier than that. For instance, Mm -hmm. I noticed years before that we're in this tonal shift on the right to really start blaming everything on the poor. If something was wrong, it's because all these damn takers. I mean, we even saw um, Mitt Romney in 2012 sort of employ that strategy, but botch it with his whole 47% talk. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, and and really, if you think about it like that, and we can all think of that, like people just sending things out about, oh, I just hate the takers, I hate the takers, and, you know, never actually looking at statistics of what takers are, but saying how much they hate them. The logical conclusion to that was somebody like Donald Trump. Because Donald Trump is the poor man's idea of the rich man. The rich man doesn't make strong investments, you know, keep to himself, try to build his business, you know, leave a legacy. The rich man shits on a golden toilet, lives in an enormous tower in midtown Manhattan with his name on it. He owns casinos. He owns golf courses. He has his steak line. He has wines. That's what a rich man does. He's a, he's a cartoon character. He's a caricature of a rich man. But if you're a poor man and you're a dumb man, that's what a rich man and a smart man looks like. And mm-hmm. I saw us leading to that for a long time, and I saw it on social media. So what happens then? It collides at the same time with the proliferation of the, the fake news. And not the fake news that Trump uses that means things bad said about me, but we're talking about teenagers in Montenegro that are making more money than they ever could have imagined (laughs) off of ad revenue by just posting things to freedomeagle.gun and old people sharing it on Facebook. And they shared it because it was what they wanted to hear. All of this, and it became the confluence of this. And unfortunately, Trump was the first to really understand the power of this. And he started that years before. I mean, this, as soon as at real Donald Trump came up, he started this. And he mm-hmm. hammered on it and hammered on it, trying to make this happen, using Twitter to make this happen, using Facebook to get the narrative out there. And people saw there was a market for it, and they didn't give a shit. They're just writing garbage up, and it all came to a head in November of 2016. No, yeah. And the big reason we got here was because of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, well, let's if, if we can just go back for a second though on, on like how you said were were some things there was a paradigm shift I guess you can say and where the social media m- met the internet and where the internet met social media and then that shift came when um, there was a radicalization and it, it wasn't even that it was that people finally heard themselves. 
and they believed what what they were hearing because other people were saying it and that was like ruby ridge and that was um uh, when when um people decided hey i'm going to take up arms against the government but yet be pro police right and so these are these 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 uh these 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 guys that don't 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 shut on you know don't don't do this uh don't shit on me flags and but they they love the police right that's the part where where i struggle to understand and and i think you hit every nail right you 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 were saying all the right things but i think sometimes we need to get a little bit deeper when we talk about how social media is is played into this idea of like we're anti something but we're pro and one of those things is there are a lot of those anti like don't 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 shit on me flags don't do this or that but yet they have the police a blue line through their flag right and they're like bro that's the fucking state you know those people will not protect you when it comes down to it because their order is to protect the order of the state not you well doesn't it you sometimes know? and i hate to jump to this conclusion but doesn't it feel like dog whistling it is dog whistling i i, I hate the government but I'll tell you, but, if a black cop chokes out a black guy, you know what I'm side okay I'm taking. Yeah, I'm taking the cop side, right? Yeah. It is dog whistling, though. But but it's a it's a sort of brainwashing, though, that we've seen um, that comes up since the fact that um, we've included this whole we got to stand for the flag at, at, at events like at uh, our football games, right? Like, like where the military is paying these high amounts for us to salute the soldiers, right? To do these empirical things or, or, or produce violence on people that is produced upon us here at home. Well, I mean, when it comes down to the whole Kaepernick thing, and I'm very sorry I missed that episode, by the way. I just had a lot going we on We haven't at the had time. it. Oh, we well, haven't I, had it yet. Okay. You haven't missed it yet. Okay, well, I would <laughs> love to do it. <laughs> but, I mean, it's sort of so complicated there. But on, on one side, it, it is it's in not. some ways, because I no, don't feel not. that Kaepernick himself had a full idea of his direction when he did it. What he knew was that bad things were happening. He was pissed off about it, and he felt that there was a systemic racism that caused it to happen, and I can respect that. Um, I feel like since then, a lot of his message has been crafted. I respect the fact that he was going to say something, but I don't think he knew entirely what he was going to say. However, on the other side, to make that um, something that is anti-America, that is anti-troops, that is anti—all that is is just big business for the Republican Party. I mean, they're just to to rile up a base they needed a scapegoat and they found a perfect one by trying to dictate on the other side, his ideas for him. And I feel like okay. a lot of that is because when he started off, he didn't truly have that great mission statement. And if we're going to talk about how it felt to, you know, troops and stuff, let's keep in mind that he did consult Nate Boyer when deciding to, to kneel instead of sit. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, and, so and, I mean, so, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing that we've always brought up. Like, anytime any one of us um, has gotten into that argument with someone who disagrees with us, 
that's my first go-to with Kaepernick is, hey, he consulted someone from the military. Someone from the military told him this is the respectful way to do it. And they just don't fucking care. Oh, no, they don't. The facts don't don't matter to these people. Oh, these are the people (laughs) that, like, okay, I respect the shit out of Pat Tillman because Mm -hmm. I actually bothered to find out what the man was about. And if you find out what the man's about, you'll respect him too. But they still, it's been, what, like fucking 15 years. 15, And they still worship the propaganda version of that man. Because yeah, yeah. it fits into their narrative. Yeah, because it fits right in there. But 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 what you said earlier also said fits into their narrative as well. You're, what you said was this that that um, I just can't agree. Like that he didn't think his way out of this thing, right? There's there's no such thing, right? Because that plays right into the paradigm shift of saying, okay, well here he is, this guy, he's protesting in action state-sanctioned violence on individuals that he feels that were Americans and that we shouldn't stay, we shouldn't have this happen. But yet, because he chose a certain way, you can't agree with that. Well, that's the same thing as saying that um, the guys that sat down and Selma to say, I'm going to sit here at these fucking tables and I want to be fed just like everybody else. Or you're like, well, maybe you should have chose a different way. Right. Or the fact before Brown versus education, there was Rod, uh, Rodriguez versus Westminster. Those guys said, hey, too, hey, look, my parents want us to go to the same school as everybody else. So we're going to sue before Brown, uh, Brown v. Board even became what it was, was because of that was the Westminster case. Nobody knows what they're doing, really. They're just standing up for what they believe in. But that also plays into the idea of the paradigm shift of saying, hey, you don't know what you're doing, right? We're, we're playing the armchair quarterback, and it sort of dilutes their um, their ability and and their of their idea of saying, "Look, this is what I believe in." It's true, you know what? Um, we're not all articulate about what we believe in, right? But nobody is, and and it takes us time before we even get there to be as powerful as some of these people that we've heard for years, right on the radio. We're never going to be there. It was 30 to 50 years before MLK came out, right? But 50 years before that, they were already fighting that fight for 50 years before him. And then Uh now here he is articulating the fight, right? And that's what we want, right? But it doesn't exist. You're diluting him by saying, well, you know what? He kind of did it this way, and I don't agree with that way. We're never going to agree with anybody when they decide to protest. Never. That'll always be that way. You know, because, I'm not, because, because we want to do it. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing with the way he did it at all. In fact, I think that was brilliant because you know what? He had a platform and it made people uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And that's cool. You couldn't ignore it. You know, that, that's, that's what it's about. You have to get people to think. My, my problem is I wish that there was a way... That because you ever read like his first statement about why he's doing it? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah it I just did. feel I it did. feels a little more rambling, and I feel like if that was stronger, it still would have been co-opted, but it might not have been as co-opted as it was. I I just yeah. wish I wish he could have been able to stay out in front of it because I think he has something important to say, and I think he picked the right venue to do it. 
and I do respect our troops. I love America, and that's why I'm on here. That's why I do what I do, because part of loving America is calling them out when you think that they're freaking wrong and trying to make America better. And that's what he's doing, and I respect that. But I feel, and it's unfortunate, I fear that a lot of what he was going for was diluted by the fact that the whole idea was co-opted by others. That the conservatives were able to get out in front of his narrative before he was. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't own uh, a media platform the way the social. You know the way they did, and that's where that's where that shift comes in, right? They're able to bring everything in on him when he can't do. He can't. Re- he can't do the same, right? And so, when that happens, you lose, right? You lose your. You lose the voice. You lose the message. You have a guy who's scared, who probably. Um, is still crafting his idea. He's still crafting his, his debate and he's learning, right? Because he was even, he was, he was still consulting with those in the military. He was still consulting with those of the black Lives matter movement and saying, okay, here I am. How, how am I going to be this figure? Because I have this platform. It's never perfect. And that's the beauty behind it. It, it, That's the beauty behind it. It was never perfect. I I agree. I actually, I'm going to say it. I agree. Because, I mean, he's gotten this far with it. This is a dude who hasn't played football in fucking like half a decade now, and we still give a shit. We're sitting here talking about it. Mm. So that means that what he did was tangible. Yeah, you know what he did freaking matters. That I could still Mm -hmm. like it work because I'll tell you, my industry is definitely like seventy five twenty five to conservative. My yeah. boss is same, actually same. a personal friend of Trump. Yeah. But, no, same. I like him. He's a really good dude. But, I mean, that's you know that's the way it works. And there's a corner of us that disagree, and we have to shut up, and we talk amongst ourselves because we can't just have mm-hmm. World War Three every day at work. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's like they still talk about it. They still bring it up. And it gets under their skin that much. And if it means that much to them, if it pisses them off that much, then what he did definitely mattered. Yes. And that's commendable. Mm -hmm. And I can see it in in trying to nitpick and wish it could have gone a different way. Even like I said, I know I'm contradicting myself, but you kind of won me over here is pretty much what I'm saying. You know, wishing things could have gone a different way that could be perfect. A, it was never going to be perfect. And B, it still probably would have been co-opted anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because nobody wants the like that narrative to be out there on that side. No, and that's why he essentially won his collusion case. Like that's why they settled with him because it was such a bad thing for them. It was going to be hard for him to prove collusion. It was. Yeah. But there was enough evidence to show that um, with the polling, there was enough evidence to show with the emails. Um, there was enough evidence to show that. Uh, he people were you know ganging up against them. Collusion, you need to show intent. That's super hard because then that means you got to say, "What well, did I know? What what I what, what was I looking into his heart?" No, you know you can't do that. But we're showing factually, like, look, they were ganging up against me. They did not want any more of this PR. They wanted to move forward. They wanted to say, "Hey, look, football again, right? Let's salute the troops. Football. Let's do this all over again and get us out of the way." 
and settle this for whatever amount of money it was. We'll never know. Well, people make speculations, but we will never know how much millions that they settled with just to shut these guys up. Say and say, and then only that you can never talk about this anymore. That was why they wanted to settle. They wanted to shut everybody up. Yeah. Oh no, I agree. Like, I have a friend who yeah. keeps going like, "Oh, he just wasn't good enough. Oh, he wanted too much money." No. And I'm and we never know. We well, never no, know. I mean, I, I even talked to him about this. Like, oh, he wanted. He wanted ten million dollars a year. Can you believe that? And I'm like, actually, that's a pretty reasonable going rate for a guy who's been to the Pro Bowl, led a team to the Super Bowl. It was a starting quarterback for five years. That's a pretty about- solid going yeah. rate. And so I started comparing yeah. it statistically and shut this dude the fuck up. And I love this yeah. dude. And Uppy has met this guy, and we can talk about who it is off air. Okay. And dude, just imagine but but just imagine though, like you're sitting there and you're going, Okay, I I I will take um myself, right? Because there's two there's two parties involved. Uh it wasn't just him. That I will take for my settlement, um, I want ten million dollars a year for the next three years. I want all my health care paid for for the next three years. And I you know, and I want I and that's about probably what they're gonna agree to anyways. Um beyond that might have been a little bit of like, okay, we'll Yes, no. It's just small stuff, right? That was worked out on their contract before, um, about who can talk to you. Can't do this. Don't do that. Um, type of stuff. But dude, that's what settlements are about. They probably presented and went back and forth and said, "All right, bam, you got fucking thirty million. The other guy could have got thirty million. He could have got sixty million, and his health care paid for for the rest of his life. We don't know because it was part of the settlement. We'll never yeah. know." Right. Yeah, you can't. He could be taken here for the rest of his life. Kaepernick could be being paid, paid. Right. He never has to work ever again for the rest of his life, and we'll never know because of that. Yeah. And there he is. I mean, yeah. It's going to be from the money he made from the Niners was enough money that he never had to work. Oh, absolutely. Never. I mean, but the way I prove it to my friend, who's a Bills fan, and. Up, you will be familiar with this guy. If we're going to talk straight football, and that's the way this guy was trying to frame it, is a straight football decision. So I had to live in that world. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know who's extremely comparable, lifetime statistic-wise, to Colin Kaepernick? Who? Tyrod Taylor. And he's like, well, if you look at the stats, they are very close. I think they're different players and like different skill sets and stuff. In fact, I think Kaepernick's probably a better player. But if we're just going off straight stats, and I'm going to base that off that to make this argument, the test subject is Tyrod Taylor. So Tyrod, yeah. yeah, and so it's just like, oh, he's not good enough to be a starter. I'm like, well, Tyrod Taylor was a starter for your Bills, which is giving a good hint of who this is, for, <laughs> for years. And then he went to the Browns as their starter, and then he lost his job. But he still kept getting jobs in the NFL. And he still made yeah, this money. He's, he's the star quarterback on the Los Angeles Chargers now. The star yeah. quarterback. Yeah, yeah. He keep, he's taking over yeah. for Philip Rivers. He keeps yeah. getting these jobs. Same age, same talent. Yeah, according to numbers, same talent level. Even though I think that there's mitigating factors there. Right. If, but if we're going to compare this straight numbers on that, so why not for Colin Kaepernick? Well, he asked more money. Well, where is Tyrod Taylor's Super Bowl appearance? Yeah. He hasn't what done this. Okay. Yeah. And then, you know, what eventually came down, well, they don't want the distraction. 
Okay, well, yeah. why not? Oh, because, uh, you know, he kneels and he has his political views. Well, it kind of sounds yeah. like collusion to me, doesn't it? It doesn't sound like it's based on merit. Right. And then he shut the fuck Mark up. San- <laughs> right, because Mark Sanchez got re-signed last yeah. year in Washington after 800 yeah. quarterbacks. Blaine Gabbert has yet so. to play a good NFL fo- uh, NFL game, and he is currently an employed quarterback. Yeah. 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 But you want to know, I mean, this isn't a new thing to the NFL. And people will point to guys like Michael Sam. But I want you to point to a totally different player. A guy who made Pro Bowls, who was a good player, whose career suddenly freaking ended against his will. And his name is Kerry Rhodes. Have you guys ever heard of him? No. He was a safety. He played for the Jets, and then he played for the Cardinals. And he was a Pro Bowler, but he wasn't a superstar. Rumors started going around that he was gay. There was a, oh. a former boyfriend or whatever that said all this stuff, and nothing was ever confirmed. He denied it, and I can't blame him because after coming off of a Pro Bowl season and this came out, nobody ever signed him. Completely blackballed, mm-hmm. and he was still only like 30. He had There was oh, things wow. out there, and then Kerry Rhodes just went away, and everyone said it was un, unfair contract demands. The NFL is new at this. Chris Cluey, very outspoken left-wing punter formerly for the Minnesota Vikings, made many Pro Bowls. Started really tweeting how he felt about Republicans. All of a sudden, Chris Cluey, at 31, can't find a team. Even though, like my Steelers, have punters that punt the ball like it's made out of fucking a cinder block. (laughs) Nobody wants Chris Cluey. Huh. Interesting. The NFL's done this for years. <laughs> and we can't just sit here and continue to turn a blind eye to it and just pretend, oh, that's just the way it goes. No, they're definitely willing to put that bullshit ahead of talent on the field. Josh Johnson last year started multiple games for the Washington Redskins. You know the last time he had started a game before that? 2011. Mm. Jeez. But jeez, <laughs> but nobody signed Colin Kaepernick. But this dude came off the streets. He was signed mid-season, like working at fucking Burger King or some shit, and came in and started mm. games, real NFL games for the Washington Redskins, and hadn't started a game in seven years. Wow. But we're gonna pretend that this isn't collusion. No, the NFL set themselves up for this for years. Right. It was gonna come to a head at some point, and it just. And I'm glad it did. You know, they've been the biggest league for so long, and they've been pulling nefarious shit. I'm glad somebody finally called them on it. Yeah. But that's where this all comes down to. You almost forget what we're talking about. Everybody finds their silos. And you can throw your most crazy crackpot shit out there, and now it's very easy to find other people who like, who are in with your crazy crackpot shit. Mm-hmm. And those who know how to manipulate social media are the ones who can benefit the most from it, whether it just becomes mm-hmm. like some shithead influencer or is the president of the United States. So how do you solve that? Well, actually, Facebook has done a pretty good job. You don't see as much from FreedomEagle.gun anymore, as much as we shit on them for it, as we should, because they created a lot of this bullshit. Um, <clears throat> stay open-minded. What do we... What are- what, what do we do about the redneck ricks of the world? I feel like there... Is there any hope? Especially after we got unfriended this week. 
you know, I've seen studies before that attacking people with facts that contradict what their previous beliefs are actually make them dig in harder. And I don't think that's ever been as true as it is today when you can always find, go back to that silo, you can always find more people that back up Mm -hmm. what you said, no matter how fucking crazy it is. And, oh, God, I don't even know if I want to say this because I always had a theory about that. You can see the people that become Trumpers from a mile off. You can see them from the time we were fucking kids. And if you look, and we went to you know, we went to grade school with a lot of those same kids, you knew they were going to be Trumpers because they have this unfucking flagging desire to belong. It's the people who, who always joined things, that always wanted somebody to lead them. Free spirits don't follow Trump. But the cult of Trump belongs to people who wanted to belong to a cult. Yeah. They and want things what to be made, better somehow, yeah. Yeah, they, mm-hmm. they want somebody to solve mm-hmm. all their problems. And you can do that. Yeah. I mean, that's just what the, the right comes down to a lot is I want somebody to solve all my problems and my problems can't be on me. Yeah. And you find it's on somebody else. Yeah. Fucking immigrants are always the problem. Yeah. And I'm just putting this out there. Um, I would have to dig pretty far on my Facebook to find it, but um, it has been proven scientifically that um, the reason why people tend to vote Republican is based on fear. The more you're, the more you're led to be fearful of things, the more likely you are to be conservative. And that is exactly what Trump has done. Is make us fear uh, brown people, make us fear our open borders, and it works. You know, it works, and, and it's it's been studied and it's been proven that if you're fearful, you will vote Republican. And it makes sense that there's such the split between, you know, rural and urban Americans when it comes to that. You know, everyone's looking for the racial split, and a lot of it comes down to, I mean, rural and urban. We grew up in an Earl in a rural area. I mean, there are as many minorities living in my house right now than there was as my graduating class, and that's one. <laughs> and they are both half Korean. Right. <laughs> it's true. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I remember her. Yeah. yeah, except for she grew up to be hot, and I don't. Th- I mean, I don't think smart, dumb's destiny is to grow up to be hot. But I mean. It, it becomes so insular and it, I, you know, I talk to people who still are there and it's like, that's their worldview. Mm-hmm. You know, our, our town that we grew up in was a little over a thousand people. And some of those thousand people will never know other people. That's just their entire world. Even the town where I live, where it has a hundred thousand people is immense to them. And right, and that you know, like, and so it, it breeds that fear. When when your world is that insular, anything that's not in that world is scary. Yeah, right. Because um, so I, I was talking with my dad on the phone, and uh, yesterday, um, and this was after I was giving him shit for supporting slash not supporting billionaires. Um, I'm going to Vegas on Sunday, which is a fairly large city, but I don't view it as a large city. I just think of it as like a strip and then people who live there. 
And, <laughs> and he's like, oh, that's a big – it's like I want nothing to do with that. It's too big. I was like, Vegas isn't that big of a city. He's like, is there more than 20,000 people? And I'm like, yeah, it's more than 20,000 people. So there you go. Um, but I do have to say – this has been all over the place tonight, but it's been wonderful. <laughs> it has been. <laughs> we we are we are desperately out of time, and it's two a.m. where Brent lives, and um, it was three a.m. I must be lonely. Man, to Matchbox. it's three a.m. I must be lonely. Twenty. <laughs> Man, <it's, laughs> I'll stay up and talk with you for one more hour. That sound like him? <laughs> it makes me laugh. Close, close enough. Brent, thank you. Oh as my always. god, I, I can't um, wait to do it tonight. again. Um, you're welcome anytime, as always. Um, and then on top of that, thank you for uh, just being my um, BFF forever oh, yeah. for no reason. I don't know why we're still friends, but we still we're are. Supposed to be, bro. And um, you could have made it sound a little bit gayer. I was hoping for gayer. <laughs> <laughs> First he, time tonight, he, let me know. The bulge is now out of my pants. Yeah. I, my <laughs> pants are not tight anymore. <laughs> but <laughs> let's keep doing this. Let's give you a chance, and then um, this will probably be up sometime tomorrow. So pimp it out for your guys. That way, um, the people who are big fans of Idiotville have a chance to hear your sweet voice I still again. I can't believe we have big and, fans, uh, but we do. Speaking of Idiotville, you got like a few seconds. You want to pimp yourself out? Pimp out your yeah. podcast? Um, Come to Idiotville. You can find us at all places you can find podcasts. Um, we're sort of a multi multifaceted attack. You know, we have our social media. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram, where we, we bring the fire with the memes. Um, on Twitter, the rest of the guys don't matter, but I'm at Brent and Liberty because some asshole sitting on Brent and Liberty, but we're not going to go into him. Um, <laughs> and we have our blog. Lots of good stuff on there. I'm working on one right now, but I live at work, so I haven't been able to finish it. You know, we try to hit you from all angles and really bring what we can to Erie because, you know, as Stash was mentioning earlier, I mean, I kind of feel like we're a little misrepresented and we're just trying to get the word out there. And we're a good town where there's some good nice. people and the people that are shitty, we can change them. And that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Nice. Right on, brother. Right on. Thank you for that. Thank you for being our friend. Thank and uh, just real quick, uh, you did... I'm sorry, I've been drinking rum. You <laughs> <laughs> uh, just reminded me. Uh, for those of you who are our five fans, um, if you you're obviously you know where to find us if you're listening right now. But if you'd rather somewhere else than SoundCloud, you can find us on Stitcher. You can find us on the Google Podcast app. You can find us on Spotify. And we're on Twitter at Uppy and Stash. We're on Facebook to search uh, Uppy and Uppy and the Stash uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. Engage with us, and if you would much rather email, um, you can find us at Uppy Stash Podcast at Gmail dot com. So, with that said, uh, thank you all for bearing with us. Uh, this was like just complete ADD theater tonight, but that's okay. It was still funny and awesome, and uh, we will see you soon. Until next time, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Peace. One, two, three.
bringing to the folks Snoop Doggy Dogg and Dr. Dre is at the door Ready to make an entrance, so back on up Cause you know we're about to rip shit up Give me the microphone first so I can bust like a bubble Compton and Long Beach together, now you know you in trouble Ain't nothing but a G thing, baby Too low death, nigga, so we're crazy Death Row is the label that pays me Unfadeable, so please don't try to fake this But uh, back to the lecture at hand Perfection is perfected, so I'ma let them understand From a young G's perspective And before me digger the bitch, I have to find a contraceptive You never know, she could be earning her man and learning her man And at the same time, burning her man Now you know I ain't with that shit, Lieutenant Ain't no pussy good enough to get burned while I'm offended And that's realer than real deal, holy feel And now you hookers and hoes know how I feel Well if it's good enough to get broke off a proper chunk I take a small piece of some of that funky stuff It's like this and like that and like this and uh It's like that and like this and like that and uh It's like this and like that and like this and uh Drake creep to the mic like a fan Well I'm peeping and I'm creeping and I'm creeping But I damn near got caught cause my beeper kept